بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا بالقاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في العربين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Alhamdulillah once again uh, we have tawfiq uh, to have this session live from the holy city of Qom it is between Fajr and sunrise it's early morning in Qom and inshallah I hope that our session would be blessed In the last two sessions, we talked about the significance of ma'rifatul nafs or self-knowledge and some of the outcomes of knowing ourselves. One thing that I want to mention today is that when you know more about yourself and about the way your actions and your thoughts and even your intentions affect you, you become more alert and more conscious. You know, sometimes people think that it is only when they do something very important, something very special, it may affect them. For example, if there is a decision that affects lives of people or uh, maybe their, for example, whole financial situation depends on that decision, so they become alert, hopefully, of course, because sometimes even in this case, some people are not alert. But sometimes when they have normal life, normal business, normal treatment of people, they are not careful. When we are familiar with Ma'rifatul Nafs, we will realize that every single action that we perform has some effect on us. Every single word that we utter has some impact on us. Even when you think about something, the ideas that come your, to your mind may not be under your control. But when they come to your mind and you continue thinking about them and reviewing them, they may darken your heart or they may enlighten your heart. So even the thoughts are significant. The intention is significant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, مَا يَلْفَذُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ human being doesn't utter a single word except that there is 
a person, there is an angel that would monitor, would record of would record what he has said and keep booking of what he has said. And indeed maybe there are more than one angel who do this. Above all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself is aware of what we say. The ideas, for example, if I am sitting somewhere and I am thinking about what can I do to help someone, I have not yet done anything. I am just thinking, maybe I am able to do something for someone. This by itself brings light to my heart. Or even when, for example, you hear a brother or sister is ill and you are concerned about that, you feel sad. This feeling by itself brings light. The sympathy that you have, even if you have not yet contacted him or her, you have not said anything to that person, just the fact that you have such feeling, this is very important. And on the other hand, God forbid, if a brother or sister has a problem and I feel happy, even without doing anything, this feeling of happiness darkens the heart. So we have to be very alert and we have to know that everything that we do, everything that we think about, either is one step towards God, the Almighty, or one step towards Shaitan. Either our action our words, our intentions, our thoughts are helping us or we are in loss. إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرَةٍ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالصَّابِ Man is in loss except those who have faith and do good deeds and advise each other to be patient and to be truthful. So, there is no middle way. It's not said that man is in loss, some people are not in loss, and some people indeed are gaining more. So, there is no possibility of three conditions. لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانِ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ ثُمَّ رَدَدْنَاهُ أَسْوَلَ سَافِلِينَ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمَلُوا الصَّالِحَةِ Again, just two options. Man is created in the best form. Then God sent man to the lowest of the low, except the people who have faith and do righteous deeds. So, although may look in the first place that there are certain actions that are neutral, there are certain words that are not haram and are not also recommended or obligatory, just neutral. But after careful consideration, we realize that 
there are only two options. It's very, very hard to imagine that there is something that is neither good nor bad for our spirituality. It's very difficult to imagine. It's possible to imagine, but it's very difficult actually to find such case. Because you are anyway losing your life, your time, your opportunities, and the only thing that can save you from loss if you are gaining something important out of it. Otherwise you are lost. So we have to be very careful about everything. Every action, every word. There is a beautiful hadith which says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has hidden his pleasure. So never underestimate any action. Don't think that necessarily when you do something very great in your understanding, you are pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most. Maybe those little actions and those insignificant words in your understanding, that you do it for the sake of Allah, indeed is the most pleasing one. Maybe when you just listen to a person who has problem and show interest, show attention, maybe this is more pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than what you yourself think to be very significant when you think that you have done a lot for someone. So never underestimate any opportunity for doing something good, for saying something good, for thinking positively. And on the other hand, hadith says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has hidden his sakhat, means his anger, in certain things that you don't know. Never underestimate any bad action any bad word. Don't say this is not very crucial. No, indeed, this may be an action that brings Allah's wrath and sakhat and ghazab, anger on you. So, if we want to be successful, we have to be always alert and conscious and careful. This is what we need. We are in a journey and this journey is in need of alertness. When you are driving in a motorway, you see how careful you have to be? They don't even allow you to use your mobile phones or, you know, for example, even sometimes you find that uh, you have to concentrate so much that you cannot even, for example, listen to radio carefully or you cannot, you know, talk to someone because sometimes it's very dangerous. And this is just a physical journey and this is just one way of moving. I mean, you are just moving physically with your car. But in the journey towards Akhirah, 
in journey towards truth, towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to be careful about many, many things at the same time. To perform your personal obligations, to perform your social obligations, to be careful about your eyes, about your ears, about your tongue, about your hands, about your feet, about what you eat, what you drink, about the friendship that you make, about the relation that you stop, about the money that you earn, the money that you spend, about your youth, about your life, about your children, your neighbor, your colleagues, so many things that we have to be careful about. And this means that we have also endless opportunities because there are so many things that are to be taken into account. So anything can become an opportunity. So you don't need just to, for example, seek proximity to Allah on the prayer mat or in the mosque. So every moment there are many, many opportunities for doing something good. But at the same time, if we don't use these opportunities in a conscious way, in a careful way, if we don't look after them, if we don't take care of these opportunities, they become threats. So, a person who wants to make progress has to be always alert and this alertness is very important and inshallah we may talk about this in future so this was something that I wanted to emphasize on about uh, the benefits of self-knowledge uh, because we have just uh, eight sessions so if you allow me I would move to the next chapter and that is about the spirit hoping that you yourself would uh, read carefully uh, what is in the book so I don't need to mention everything and I can focus on the major points we human beings are made in the way that we are not just a physical body unlike what many people may think that it is my body which is my reality after careful consideration it becomes clear that indeed my body is very little aspect of my being my reality depends on my soul or my spirit in this discussion I use soul and spirit in the same way as synonymous and nafs or and ruh here we use them in the same way sometime you know in some places we may be able to distinguish between the two but for our purpose it's enough to use them in the same way when we have a little bit of familiarity with philosophy or even if you have not studied philosophy but you think a little bit and this is what we hope to do today it would not be difficult to realize that I am something much greater than my body 
this body is just what can be seen, what can be touched from my reality. But it is not my entire being. For example, you know that in every almost six years, all our cells are changed, except the cells which belong to the nervous system, that they don't get changed. They just die. They would not be replaced. But apart from that, for example, my hand, the skins, for example, the flesh, forget nerves. They are replaced every six years. But am I changed every six years in the sense that I am a new person? No. We become thin or fat. Does it mean that my personality is becoming thin or fat? Or if someone is short or tall, is his personality, his reality short or tall? No. Even if you carefully think about this, you may you know, not find it difficult to confirm that even the age of our body and the soul are not necessarily the same. Sometimes you have someone who is very young in his body, but he is very experienced and mature. Like, for example, Jesus. Still he was in cradle, but he spoke so wisely and so much understanding that still today when we think about what he said, we find it magnificent. Anni Abdullah, Atani al-Kitab, Waj'alani Nabiya. I am the servant of God. He gave me a book and made me a prophet. God asked me to pray, to give alms as long as I am alive. And asked me to be kind to my mother. You see such beautiful words that Jesus said at that time shows that he was mature. He was so developed in his personality that he reached the level of being a servant of Allah and was chosen to be a prophet. But there are people who may be 60, 70 years old and still like a kid. They don't understand anything. So, even the age is not necessarily the same for the spirit and for body. And I personally believe that a mu'min, a servant of Allah, his body may get old, but his spirit never gets old. 
And I believe that when you are faithful, you remain young in your spirit. And perhaps this is why all the people in heaven are young. We don't have any old person in heaven. Not in the sense that old people cannot go to heaven. No, they can go to heaven. But they become young and go to heaven. But what does it mean that they become young? I believe that it means that their body becomes young. So they will go with young body. But their soul was always young. Faith in God the Almighty, remembrance of Allah, does not let your soul to become old. It remains young. You are mature. You are very well experienced. You are very much understanding. But you are not old. In the sense that you are weak. You are tired. You have pain. In any case. Body and soul are two different dimensions of our reality. And indeed what is the most important one is our soul or our spirit. There are some scientific arguments that can help to understand the existence of soul. And there are also some intellectual and philosophical arguments for that. Some of these arguments are mentioned in this chapter on the spirit. I would love to mention just some of them. For example, Muslim philosophers like Ibn Sina and Mullah Sadra and Allah Tabatabai, they all use this argument that we certainly know certain things. We understand, we know, we have knowledge. This knowledge that we have is not material, is not physical. Therefore, we as the knower, as the one who has this knowledge also cannot be material and physical. Because something physical cannot have a non-physical quality. Now let us see why knowledge is not physical. For example, you know that Today, we have had a session on self-knowledge. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. This is a fact. This fact that you know would be still in effect after a year. So, if, inshallah, we are alive after a year, we can remember that in such a day we had a session on self-knowledge. After thousands of years, still this knowledge is there. If you are alive, you would have it. Even if you die, still you may know it. Knowledge never changes. Even after millions of years, you can know something without any change in your knowledge because you know that when we die we still remember many things and on the day of judgment we will be reminded of all the things that we have done on the earth without any change 
but everything physical changes everything is subject to change and alteration except the non-physical things so how can knowledge remain always the same because it is not physical or for example you have knowledge of universal things you have knowledge of man or woman or book or tree or flower these are universal concepts that can be applied to endless cases and instances but do we have anything universal in the physical world no so how can we understand these things how can we use them in our sentences in our propositions and make judgments about them how can we do philosophy which uses abstract universal concepts it is only because we are not limited to the physical boundaries of the world so there are many ways to prove that our knowledge is not material or for example another argument that philosophers use to prove that we are immaterial is that our understanding of ourselves is simple has no part for example when you talk about yourself and you say I this I is not three-dimensional it doesn't have for example height or weight you cannot say you know for example on top part of my self on the left side or you know right side or you know back of myself you have back of your body you have in front of your body right side left side or you can have three dimensions width length and height but for your reality yourself your identity you don't have something compound your reality is the same is one unique entity or if God forbids for example for some accident or some operation if part of your body is cut off for example if you know there are people whose legs have to be cut off or because of some accident so they have lost part of body but this doesn't mean that they have lost part of their reality so their I is no longer a complete I I mean I mean me self no it remains the same and there are many different arguments so our spirit is very much different from our body but unfortunately we are so much used to our physical life and to our own body that sometimes we think that this is me and if you look carefully you find that you know how much attention we pay to our body and how much unfortunately 
negligently with respect to our soul. And in Islam, you know, we have to always have both. Not to forget your body and your physical needs, but at the same time, please, don't forget your soul and your spiritual needs. Even for a single act like looking into mirror, we are recommended to say that, Oh Allah, you have made my body beautiful, good. Please make my moral character also good, which is related to my soul. When you look at water, when you drink water, when you want to use water for, for example, wuzu, don't just think about water as a physical object which touches your body. Think about also the purity of your soul. So anything must become a means for thinking about our soul, our spirit. So this is very important. I would love to mention few examples about encounter with the spiritual world which are mentioned in the book to help us have more direct understanding of the spiritual nature of ourselves. For example, here I have mentioned the brother of Allama Tabatabai, who himself was a very learned man, they studied together in Najaf, and then in Iran they lived in different cities, at least part of the time. The brother of Allama Tabatabai had a student who was able to communicate to the spirits of the dead people, and sometimes. Through him, the brother of Allah Metabazabai was talking to the great philosophers, to people like Aristotle, Socrates, Muslim philosophers, and sometimes to the spirit of the dead people of the family. Once the brother of Allah Metabazabai sent him a message, a letter, that I had conversation with our father who had passed away you know, some years ago and he is not pleased with you because he, you didn't make him share with you in the reward of writing Al-Mizan which is a great commentary on the Quran when Allah Metabatabai received this letter he was surprised because no one knew about his intention and indeed he didn't uh, make his father share with him because he didn't think that his job is significant. He was writing the most significant tafsir of the Quran, which is still maybe the best tafsir available, and was not thinking that this is something for which he should be rewarded. He was thinking that this is something very little. In any case, when he received this letter from his brother, he made the intention that the sawab would also be given to his father. And then he received, without saying anything to his brother, 
when without writing any letter to him, he later received another message from his brother that our father is now happy with you. So this shows that the spiritual world is a reality. One of the contemporary philosophers who died a few years ago, Sayyid Jalaluddin Ashtiani, who used to live in the city of Mashhad, and he has compiled many books on philosophy, said that he had a dream, and in his dream, he heard, he came to know about some poem of Rumi. When he was awake, he looked for that poem in all the available copies of Masnavi and he couldn't find. So he was wondering, you know, what is the source? Later, he came to know of a version of an edition of Masnavi which was kept by someone, some Orientalist in another part of the world. And that copy had this poem. So, he couldn't have learned this poem by, for example, saying that he, read, he had read this before and then he forgot it. Because in the all available copies, this was not there. So how he could know some poem which is there, but only in some editions that he never saw. Doesn't this show that there is a spiritual world? And sometimes your soul can get connected through dreams or other ways to that spiritual world and see the images of the realities. Or for example, you know, you all may have this experience of having true dreams. You sometimes dream of the places that you have never been there. And then you go there and you find that it's exactly the same. Or sometimes you dream of future events and they happen exactly as you had in your dream. So this shows the possibility of having a reality, which is our spirit, which is quite different from our body. If we were just physical body, we never you know, can explain these dreams. The story of Allah Metabatabai and his brother. The story of Sayyid Jalaluddin Ashtiani. Or many experiences that great people have had. I'm not talking about people who, whom that we don't trust. Great people like Mirza Jawad Tehrani in the city of Mashhad. And I met him myself. This man was very pious man. And he in his book, which he wrote to refute the idea of the uh, atheist, writes very clearly that he had vision of himself. It means that he could look at his body. So his soul was outside his body and he was able to see his body. So how can you see your body? If you are just body, the body cannot see itself. The body can see only part of itself which comes in front of the eyes. 
But how can you see your body as someone else is looking at you? This shows that your reality is different. Okay, I think we should stop here and inshallah you would be uh, yourself studying this chapter on the spirit and if inshallah uh, you have any question also you can uh, share it with the rest of the people uh, either today or even next session you know after studying you know if you want to have questions I would be very pleased to answer to your question so uh, please start sending your questions and uh, inshallah I will try to answer them as my knowledge permits and as time permits inshallah next week we are going to have our session the same time but inshallah I will be in Rome so inshallah from the city of Rome I hope to be able to uh, have this session the first question is you said knowledge doesn't change it is constant is it true that our knowledge continue to evolve as we discover new information yes for sure and I am very thankful to you for this good question knowledge can always improve you can understand something better or you can understand certain aspects of the same reality but what I meant is that still what you knew can remain intact it's not that it becomes invalid so if we have this knowledge that today we had a session on self-knowledge this knowledge remains the same but of course sometimes you may forget for example the details or something you may forget, not forget, you may indeed know more. You may, for example, know that why this lecture started, what were the points, you think about them more, you know about them more. But anyway, that proposition, that piece of knowledge, piece of information remains intact. The second question is, we have to be alert in life. In Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about being uh, not in the state of qafla, negligence. Can you expand more on the concept of qafla? Yes. Uh, this is very important concept. And indeed, most of our problem can be said comes because of negligence. Because, you know, normal people especially mu'minin, believers, they don't want to offend anyone, they don't want to do something wrong, they don't want to say something bad. Why they still do something bad or say something bad? Because at that particular time, they were not careful, they were not conscious. Sometimes I say something, then later I realize, and sometimes even may, I may not realize, that by saying this, I offended someone. Or by doing this, I, for example, at least missed an opportunity if I haven't done any damage. At least I have missed some opportunity to do something more, something better. So, kafla is something that 
is very dangerous and this is why the spiritual scholars and instructors they say the very first step for progress is to become awake to become alert it is very important and inshallah we will talk about it to become awake is very important there is a hadith which says people are asleep it means that they are in the complete state of khafla. but when they die they become alert but it's too late we have to be alert before we die Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in the Quran the people who have taqwa, the people who are pious, when a group of satans touch them, and it's very interesting, Allah says a group of visiting, ta'if, means the people who go around. So it means that they don't have fixed and resident shaitan with them. You know, some of the people have shaitan which is resident. It's always with them. But for the pious people, the sh Satan go around them and f look for some opportunities to visit them and touch them and you know somehow affect them. But Allah says, They quickly remember. They become alert. And then they can see the realities. They can see that this is Shaitan and this is Satanic. The third question is, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give advanced age or maturity or wisdom from young age to some and not others? Does the person receiving have a choice? Yes. There is a normal way of achieving maturity and that is through experiences, through your own actions, or through the actions of people around the community, the society, the family, the school. So this, uh, this is very normal, that you step by step gradually get more experiences, more knowledge, you become also psychologically more mature. But it's possible that for certain reasons which are also understandable we get experiences we get knowledge we get understanding through ways which are not normal or not at least normal for us if you look at for example, the story of Prophet Isa, or about our Imams and you know the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, You see that even as a child, they were very understanding. For example, you know Imam Jawad السلام, in the age of nine he became Imam. The twelfth Imam in the age of five. It doesn't mean that. He had the same understanding as a child and he was just given this position as a formal position. No. He had all the requirements for actually occupying this position of guiding people. 
So an, an imam of five years old was guide for people who were maybe 60, 70, 80 years old. Jesus, as a newborn child, was given the book and was a prophet. How this happens? So one aspect of it is, is to understand that how this happens. The other stand is to uh, the other aspect is to understand why this happens. How it happens is what I said. That's because the spirit has its own age and its own uh, development, and it can be very fast. It doesn't necessarily need 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. It can happen very fast. But why this happens for some people and not for all? This is the question that is asked, and it's a very important question. And very briefly, the answer is what you can find in the beginning of Dua al-Nutba. This is what you can find in the Ziyar of Lady Fatima. And very briefly, I can say that sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps people, favors them, gives them blessings in an early age because he knows that this person when he becomes mature and understanding and responsible he would do voluntarily good actions so just let me give you a normal example if you know that as a teacher in, among your students, there is a person who is very dedicated and very good and he would certainly have very good results in the final exam. Wouldn't you think that you should be more careful about this student and be more available to him and support him in whatever means and ways that you can because this person is very dedicated and you know about his success in future and if you even have knowledge of the future and you know that a student who has not yet come to you has this ability and this dedication so I say you decide to help him in advance so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps in advance the people that he knows in future when they have the choice, they would make the right choice. Inshallah we will talk about this issue a little bit more when we have a chapter indeed on free will. And of course uh, this by itself is independent discussion. But I think uh, what I said so far inshallah would be just enough for the moment. But please reflect on the things that are in the beginning of Dua and Nudbah when we say that شَرَطْتَ عَلَيْهُمُ الزُّهْدُ فِي دَرَجَاتِ هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا الدَّنِيَّةِ وَزُخْرُفِهَا وَزِبْرَجَهَا فَشَرَطُوا لَكَ ذَلِكْ وَعَلِمْتَ مِنْهُمُ الْوَفَاءَ بِهِ فَقَبِلْتَهُمْ وَقَرَّبْتَهُمْ وَقَدَّمْتَ لَهُمُ الذِّكْرَ الْعَلِيُّ وَالثَّنَاءَ الْجَلِيُّ and therefore you accepted them and you brought them nearer to you 
And in advance, you gave them good name and good reputation. Uh, the next question is, there are people who claim to talk to the spirits and they can tell your future. Can we believe in them? Not necessarily. We don't deny the possibility. It's possible to be able to talk to the spirits and to talk about the future. But there are two points. First of all, it's not that everyone who claims is genuine. There are many liars that somehow they find some information about you, but then they claim that this is what they have received through, for example, uh, conversation with the spirit, or they can read your mind. But indeed, they have found this information by looking at your history, or listening to your conversation, or you know, asking some friend, or looking into your file. So you have to be careful. So there are liars. Or sometimes they claim something about future. So how can you know that this is true or not? It takes time. So this cannot be tested unless you wait. So there are people who are liars. There are people who are not genuine. This is the first point. The second point is that even those who are genuine, this doesn't mean that they are good. So their information may be genuine. Maybe they can have you know, encounter with their spirits. But this doesn't mean that they are good people. So don't trust them. Sometimes there are techniques that you can use, and some of these techniques may be haram, may be prohibited. So, it's not that everyone who says something about future, or, you can, or he can read your mind, you know, you trust him. And you expect his advice. So, we have to be very careful. The other question is that, does the environment affect your spirit? If yes, how? And can this be controlled, specifically living in the West? Of course, the spirit very much affects us. Even, you know, when you sit in a room or in a bus, in a train, and there are people around you that may not be even speaking to you, may not even look at you or you don't look at them, but their presence can have effect. This effect can be positive and can be negative. It depends on how strong they are, in being good or bad, and how strong you are in your reception. If you are, if you are a person who is very sensitive, very, you know, understanding, so you can easily understand the effect. So this is very important. And then when people start talking, then effect is more. When you are uh, interacting with them, the effect can be more. So the environment is very important. Even when you enter into a place in which Allah is worshipped, if you go to a house in which good people lived in that house, there is effect on your spirit. So, we shouldn't underestimate these things. And this is why we should always try to visit places and visit people that who are good. Because then we can benefit from them even in an indirect way. So, certainly the environment is very important and the only time that we should go to bad environment, or, you know, for example, meet bad people, is if we don't have any other choice and also if we do extra remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and extra good work to compensate for that. So, my advice is not to isolate yourself from the society or that you live, you know, for example, 
your job or your study or whatever. But I'm saying, saying that please be very careful and please be sure that you do something extra so that you can uh, restore what you may be losing. The other question is, any advice on how one can stay in a high state of alertness? Yeah, there are many different things that we can do. One of them is to help each other. I may forget, but you may remember. So please remind me. Please advise me. And also, I should do the same. This is tabasi. Why the Quran says people are in loss, except those who have iman and righteous deeds, and tabasaw bil wa tabasaw bil We should advise each other. So, this is very important. The other thing is that we should read the Quran and apply the Quranic verses to our life. So, the Quran has all the things that we need. So, if you think about the Quran, reflect on the Quran and apply it to yourself, then you would be alert and you would be conscious about all the things that you need to know. The other thing is to read the lives of the good people and see how alert they were and what things they had in mind. So this also gives you more alertness. And then the other thing is to think about our death, to think about our illness, about our weakness, about being old. So these all also help us to be alert. The fact that on a daily basis you think and contemplate about your life, about your action, about your performance, about the things that you were supposed to do but you couldn't, or you could, but you want to do more. So this is also very helpful. So there are many different techniques, and inshallah, we should benefit from all these techniques. Uh, there is no uh, other question, and inshallah, please send your comments and suggestions, uh, they are very much appreciated. Please uh, keep your brothers and sisters, especially those who uh, watch these sessions in your mind when you pray. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, uh, enlighten your heart and your mind. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us always alert and conscious. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to maintain our physical and spiritual, inshallah, health. And I look forward to, inshallah, having this session with you next week, inshallah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the city of Rome. Wa akhiru da'wana, and alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen.